Karen. And I'm Lauren. And this is Downstage Left Podcast, a theater podcast where we talk a little, laugh a lot, and know nothing. Oh, man, do we know nothing. <laughs> okay, Lauren. Yes, Karen. How are you doing? I, like, everything is fine. Okay. Um, I was just telling you, like, one of my students, like, quoted the podcast at me the other day, and Amazing. I was like, oh, okay, I here we it. are. So that's, like, that's uh, what's going on in my life right I now. I had a student submission. It's great. We're getting it. some traction. We appreciate everyone who's listening. Uh, okay, today... I bring you in my continued quest for Carrie Butler to notice our podcast. Carrie Butler, come uh, at us. Please, please, Get can, in touch. please come at us, be in touch, um, be a guest. We'll please, figure it out. Please Skype you in. Us. I have terrible internet, but we'll go to Lauren's house. It'll yeah. be fine. Uh, okay, enough. so uh, today I am doing her Broadway debut. Oh, yes. Um, well, I should say Broadway debut. She, uh, in some other things as well, but um, a musical called Blood Brothers. Blood Brothers. What do you think Blood Brothers is about? Oh, no. Oh, about? we forgot to do this in our last well, episode. Well, I, but I, but potentially I would have understood what the other one was. I uh, sometimes have a little bit, just by nature of all the musicals I listen to, a little bit wider of a, yeah, uh, you know of a information for you, but Blood Brothers. Okay. I have heard this title. Okay. I don't know. What do you think it's about? I, I don't think I know anything about it other than, like, I have heard the title. Um, so I am going to, like, assume that... These are, uh, there are some gentlemen okay. in the show. Okay. And they are not related. Oh, okay. But they uh, become so close as friends that they do a weird blood packed thing. Sure. And they, they're like, we're blood brothers now because we have like cut our hands and sure. shaken them so or something weird like that. We should maybe talk about back in the day, Blood Brothers was a thing that. I assume, like, kids do. I hope no adults were potentially doing this, but where you, uh, if you and I were, like, we're going to be friends to the end, yeah. you would cut your finger, I would cut my finger, and then we would press our open wounds yeah. to one another Safety. in a, quote-unquote, exchange of blood. Yeah. That's... And then we would be blood, blood brothers. Yep. Um, that's what I think is going on here. Sure. I think this is far less prevalent now, because I am blood brothers with at least four people, uh, based on my uh, very little understanding of sort of germs and why that's gross and we shouldn't have done that, but uh, very huge and popular in the 80s, for sure. Yeah, I never did it, because I was terrified of everything. Sure. I so. loved it. I was like, let's be friends forever. But to be fair, like in the 90s... We were very like AIDS conscious, so, sure. Like it was like if you see sure. blood anywhere, and, run and for the eighties we sure weren't. So, yeah, no, you right. did not. <laughs> um, okay, so blood. We'll see if you're right. All I right, love the guest. Um, uh, blood Brothers is a musical uh, with book lyrics and music by Willie Russell. Okay, uh, created across the pond in London. Um, it was originally conceded, um, I believe, as a school project, okay. um, and then. Uh, got, went, kind of went to Broadway, didn't do very well, or went to sort of the, the pre-Broadway equivalent over there, didn't do great, ended up still opening on the West End, uh, and then, like, went freaking ham, in which it went on a national tour, uh, it reopened, and then in 1988, um, opened again and was huge, finally moved out of, and, and when it was in 1988 or 87, it got um, uh, nominated for a bunch of the, like, English equivalents of Tony's. Okay. Like so Olivier the Lawrence Olivier, Olivier, yeah. yep, Olivier, all that stuff. And then in 1991, the musical transferred to the Phoenix Theater, where it celebrated its 10th anniversary, so it had been around for 10 years, and then would go on to be in the Phoenix Theater uh, until 2012. 
Wow. And had over 10,000 performances. And here I am, like, I don't know what this show's well, about. Well, <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those things. And it would go on to be played by many, many very famous people. It would then transfer to Broadway in 1993 and close in 1995 after 840 performances. So, honestly, wow. a pretty good run. Yeah. Two, two plus years. Um, and saw a ton of people, and Carrie Butler did make her Broadway debut in the ensemble. I believe uh, she started as a swing, okay. uh, and then kind of worked her way up, and eventually played, I believe, uh, Mrs. Johnson. So, okay. or, I'm sorry, Mrs. Jones. Uh, so, which I will explain who all those people are eventually, but some notable people who played Mrs. Johnston, I guess Johnstone, Johnstone, uh, Carol King, uh, Helen Reddy, and then Petula, Petula Clark, Okay. Was probably the most famous. She yeah. played it in London and then transferred with it to Broadway. Wow. So a lot of, like, really famous people did that. And then the two people playing the male leads um, were David and Sean Cassidy of the Cassidy fame. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. back in the 70s, huge, huge, huge. Oh, David dang. Cassidy, like, a heartthrob to millions. For sure. Um, they played the two sons. Okay. So, uh... And then it went on to play in Australia, South Africa, Czech Republic. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, and a bunch of other places, Europe, Mexico, Japan, Korea, and Canada. So uh, that is kind of... So taking the world by storm. <laughs> it really did. Well, in a funny way where, had it not been for me liking Carrie Butler, I also would never have heard of this musical. Because it really hasn't run in the U.S. since, like, early 90s, early mid-90s. Yeah. And then obviously closed in Europe in 2012, or in London... Um, and so it's, it's just not one of those like big things, uh, that I, I don't know why I missed it. And, and it's a, here's what I'm going to tell you. When you listen to the soundtrack, it's a very London show. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I can hear that. I know what you mean. Yep. Uh, and a London show that came to life sort of eighties, nineties. It's kind of like a lot of that synth pop. Oh, good. Andrew Lloyd Webber sound that we oh, all know. So Andrew. let's dive in. Um, act one. Uh, sometime in the early 1960s, Mrs. Johnston is heavily in debt and cannot support her seven children after her husband walks out on her. Oh. So she takes a job as a cleaner for a local high-class couple, Mr. and Mrs. Lyons. Soon she finds out she is pregnant, which she already got some kids. That's so, so, so many kids. Um, but she can barely afford to raise another child. These early events spark the first of several Marilyn Monroe and, in quotes, and dancing themes theme songs which mrs johnston sings reflecting on the events which are occurring in her life um it's a weird recurring trope throughout the show uh that is interesting and i don't know if i love um uh, sure the first song describes her marriage her husband flirted with her at a dance and they embarked on what was supposed to be a whirlwind romance but mrs johnston fell pregnant soon after they started dating forcing them to get married because 60s mm-hmm she found herself pregnant again only months after the birth of their first child, and this has obviously occurred several times, as she is now pregnant for the eighth time. That is so many times to be pregnant. Sure, in a way so where, man, birth control and an understanding of biology. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sure. So Ooh. Mrs. Lyons, the rich people that she works for, is desperate for a baby, but is unable to conceive. Also, another kind of big trope in the 80s was uh, an introduction and understanding of, like, infertility. Yes. And, like, the fact that it was even a thing that occurred and how do we combat it? And if you recall, like, historically, 
infertility, like, largely blamed on women. Yeah. All the way back to, like, medieval, yeah. like, freaking Henry the Henry VIII times. Yep. Yes. Uh, people just assumed it was the women's fault, and so now in the 80s we're starting to have an understanding of, like, how biology and genetics and things like that work. Lovely. Uh, so Mrs. Lyons, Richie McRich, cannot conceive and would like to adopt a child, but her husband, who is all way on business overseas, is not keen on the idea. Which is also interesting, and I guess I would be interested to know how it was uh, in Europe and sort of London, because in the United States in the 80s, there was a huge boom for adoption. Mm -hmm. I am Mm -hmm. part of that. Mm -hmm. My parents are very white. Um, (laughs) And you are... And I very Asian, am very Korean. <laughs> yeah, uh, very Korean. We do not look alike. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he is not keen on the idea of adopting. Mrs. Johnston finds out that she is going to have twins. Oh my god! That's nine right, nine people. And explains to Mrs. Lyons that she cannot afford to raise two more babies. No, no one can. Mrs. Lyons then suggests that Mrs. Johnston give one of the babies to her, and they sing the song my child this is a weird sure it's a very contrived time to be like you're you can't afford two you already have seven give me one but (laughs) it's a choice i feel like it's a setup for the parent trap in a weird way it is but like uh that was like known and they each were a parent and this is like just give me your baby so that's weird uh mrs johnson apprehensively agrees to this and is made to swear on the bible to keep the deal uh mrs which you don't mess Bibles don't with that. really have like legal. You don't really have any legally binding thing. Although in our court system, we still swear in a Bible. We do. But um, here's the thing: if you believe in it uh, and you break that swear correct. or that promise, God's gonna get you with some lightning. Going to like, hell? How dare you? Going yeah. to hell? Uh, but if you don't, <laughs> yeah. that's just a book. You could be swearing on like Doctor Seuss. So it wouldn't matter. Swearing on yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so Mrs. Uh, Johnston has the twins and names the two children Michael, known as Mickey. And Edward, uh, but they, uh, but then, surely, has regrets get, having agreed to give one away. Yeah. Sure. Um, listen, this is maybe a whole another talk that we are not prepared to have on this podcast, no. this theater podcast, no. but <laughs> there is something about adoption and giving up children and feelings, and if you feel okay about doing it, like, uh, a lot of... Uh, children have gone into great homes because people have been, you know, parents have been willing to make that sacrifice. Some people have not. It, You know, it's all personal preference. Uh, we support all of you. Whatever you choose. That's right. We support that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, choice. Uh, choice. Okay, so, um, she obviously, um, she has regrets and sings a song called Easy Terms. After keeping her deal with Mrs. Lyons, she lies to her other children saying that the other baby died and went to heaven. Whoa. Correct. Whoa. That's dark. So in a dark problem. Well, because she can't, I mean, here's the thing. What is she going to say? Like, she can't go, I had both, but we're giving one away. So just love your one brother. I guess so. But like, Sure. Uh, So Mrs. Johnston continues to work for the rich family, but Mrs. Lyons soon feels that Mrs. Johnston is paying too much attention to the child that she has given up to her. She fires Mrs. Johnston, Mm -hmm. who wants to take the baby with her. Mrs. Lyons offers her money, which Mrs. Johnston refuses, but Mrs. Lyons... Lyons plays on Mrs. Johnston's superstitions by telling her if twins separated at birth learn that they were once one pair, they will both immediately die. What? That's a song called Shoes Upon the Table. What? Uh, Mrs. Lyons again gives Mrs. Johnston the money and leaves. So, I mean, this is one of those things where, um, now I think is prevalent in the 60s, but certainly earlier, like, immigrant times where a lot of people coming... 
just had a much that was a time where people were just much more heavily invested in like the superstitions and sort of all those types of things that we potentially now have debunked or not go back and listen to our superstitions episode <laughs> there you go um but you know what a a-hole thing for mrs lyons to yes. do yes holy cow okay so Whew. cut to uh 10 years later yes well 10 ish years later or or so it's 1971 Mickey, the son of Mrs. Johnston, meets Edward, the other twin by chance, and after learning they share the same birthday, the two boys make a pact to become blood brothers, with Mickey calling Edward Eddie. So also, it, this doesn't say in this synopsis they're fraternal twins, so they're not oh, identical. So they don't look that much alike. Correct. Okay. And also in a way where, what a helpful thing for casting. Right? I was going to say, like, finding identical twins in theater is, is so hard. Like, Correct. in movies, like, you get you do one it. set, That's you right. think it's okay, but like, to find, oh man theater is like eight shows a week that's right good luck uh Woo. so in a, in a i'm sure a helpful way and also t- for plot purposes but they are fraternal twins so they do not look each other so when they meet they they don't Man, know they just think they're the pals. Way, this was like the dude version of the parent trap Correct. okay all right uh so they're just pals and uh mrs johnson finds them and sends eddie away telling him not to come around again or else the boogeyman will get him what so kind a of, lot of like, these fun, adults yeah a lot of fun <laughs> Like, scary times of, like, you'll die, basically. Oh, my God. Stop um, lying to people, you guys. So, later in the day, Mickey goes to Eddie's house, but Mrs. Lyons throws him out when she comes to the realization that he is Edward's separated twin. She and Eddie argue on the subject, and Eddie swears at her. <gasps> Mrs. Lyons oh, slaps him and immediately regrets her reaction. She realizes that he has learned to swear from Mickey. Oh, dang. So, it's a, it's not even Parent Trap so much as it is a class thing right yeah poor mickey yeah rich edward yeah and what does that look like and all those things it's not so civilized language from correct mickey. mickey is playing with some neighborhood children including his friend linda afterwards he takes her to see eddie and the three of them sneak off to play but are caught by a police officer when when they're about to throw stones through a window um he so here's a fun thing that maybe you are already guessing Mickey, Linda, and Eddie is setting up the classic troop of a love triangle. Oh my god, not this again. Karen! Sure. Mrs. Lyons becomes worried about Eddie's friendship with Mickey, bad influence, uh, as she started to believe the superstition that she herself made up, which, that's a real fun thing to gaslight yourself, I guess. (laughs) What? Sure, where you're like, man, I know I made this up, but... But I'm starting to see it. I think they could both die. So, what a choice. Um, that is a real, you gotta, you believe your own sauce, I oh guess. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, so, <laughs> which, honestly, it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> she decides to move and persuades her husband, who realizes she is becoming ill, uh, and, uh, and sees the effect the poor children are having on his son. When Eddie says goodbye, Mrs. Johnston gives him a locket with a picture of herself and Mickey, and the boys separate. Which also is weird because... Even though, like, Eddie knows her, what a weird thing to do. Like, wouldn't that raise a red flag if, like, your yeah. housekeeper was like, I know you're moving, don't forget me, and just my one other child. Not the other seven, but just this one. Yeah. What? Who you're pals with. The okay. Heck. Um, soon afterwards, the Johnston family are rehoused from the condemned inner city slum area of Liverpool to a new council house in the nearby overspill town of, oh my god, Skel... Skelmersdale. Okay. Skelmersdale. Skelmersdale. And they sing a song, Bright New Day. And that is the end of Act 1. Oh. Act 2. Things happening. Okay. That's right. Act So, basically, Eddie and Mickey 
are pulled apart because the one mom believe drank her own Kool Aid, um, and <laughs> and they so leave. Weird. Uh, Act two rejoins the twins when they are fourteen in nineteen seventy seven. The Johnston oh. family are enjoying a better life now that they have moved to a new home and a new area, and they have not seen Eddie in all this time. Mickey has a crush on Linda, obviously. who is obviously interested in him too, but Mickey doesn't know how to act with her because 14. <laughs> okay. Nobody knows how to act with a girl at 14 or sure. a boy or anyone that you're interested in. At sure, 14. it's a real weird, awkward cool. time. I watch in it which... every day. It's weird. Sure. <laughs> also, that where you're just like, oh, this flirting is you a poor weird kids. time. Yeah. Yep. You poor children. That's right. It's such a hard age. Um,. Both Mickey and Linda are suspended from school after insulting their teacher. That is oh. the way to, like, flirt your way into, like, an after-school detention together where you're like, you're like oh, we're together. Sure. It's hot. Um, <laughs> all right. Meanwhile. Not for that teacher. No. For that teacher, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Get out. Get out uh, of here. Meanwhile, Eddie is suspended from his boarding school for refusing to give up his locket to a teacher, but he will not tell his mother about it even after she sees the picture of it. Lots Secrets. of, like, defiance to these teachers. Listen, the real victims here, let's be honest, the Are teachers. Are the teachers? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, I like that they sing a song called Secrets. Um, yep. Well, but also, why did the teacher, like, you don't have to give personal What is to that teachers. locket about? Yeah. yeah. Why are you, um, why? Mrs. Lyons sees Mrs. Johnston near her house and her worries are renewed. So they haven't seen each other probably for about five-ish years. And Mrs. Lyons, who, again, drank her own sauce in a cray-cray way, is now, like, worried. (laughs) Um, Eddie and Mickey bump into each other in a field but do not initially recognize each other. Uh, with each wanting to be like the other before finally... Oh, with each wanting to be like the other before finally realizing who the other is and become friends again. They sing a song called That Guy. So that's like a fun thing where, you know, we always want, I feel like what, you know, grass is greener on the other side. So he wants to have like the life of, I guess, a poor person and vice versa. But whatever. Um, Sure. Mrs. Lyons confronts Mrs. Johnston and accuses her of following her family to stay close to Edward. Mrs. Lyons then flies into a rage and tries to kill Mrs. Johnston. Whoa. But is stopped and runs away. Whoa. Wait, this... That it escalated. That quickly. escalated extremely sure. quickly. I have a lot of questions about like how crazy are you that one you believed your own weird nonsense. Sure. Two, now I'm just going to kill the birth mother of my my one child that I have. Sure. Um, wow. Four years later. More more years. Well, now they're eighteen. Um, how so- does casting work for these kids? It's like one oh, pair of kids that they just no, like make no, them no, look no. really young. The, the adults play the whole time. So no kids. So oh. the adults just play the kid parts. They play the whole show. And they're just like, hey, we're... Yes. Just pretend we're 10, all right? Yes. Okay, got it. Yep. Uh, okay, so four years later, in 1981, an 18-year-old Eddie has feelings for Linda. Oh, Linda's still around. Sure. Four years later. Um, Eddie Man, has not... And nothing has happened between them in four years? Well, no, because kids. I Eddie, know. come on. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. Mickey, come on. There you go. Eddie has feelings for Linda, but hasn't said anything because he knows Mickey likes her. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Eddie leaves for university, but not before encouraging Mickey to ask Linda out. Oh. During Eddie's absence, Linda becomes pregnant. What? Damn, so he does make a move. Oh my god! Um, just kidding. Uh, so Linda becomes pregnant, she and Mickey are married and move in with Mrs. Johnston. Mickey is then made redundant from his factory job due to the recession in the 1980s. Oh no. Sure, very up to date. Which forces him onto the dole shortly before Christmas. I don't know what, the dole is just another word for welfare. welfare. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, this is the English version of that. Well, like redundancies too, like that's a yep. thing that they use in England. Absolutely. Like, 
Eddie returns at Christmas ready to party and have fun. Yeah, man. But Mickey realizes that they are now very different. Sure. Uh, Mickey is married with a wife and child and no job. Yeah. And Eddie is like a university student. Yeah. Having a great time. Um, after a small argument with Eddie, they part. Oh. Mickey is persuaded to assist his brother Sammy in a robbery what? to earn money to support Linda and the baby. Oh, we have really taken a The robbery, of course, goes wrong. Yeah. And he becomes an accessory to murder committed oh. by Sammy. Oh, my God. And he is sentenced to seven years in prison. Um, Number seven is a theme in this show. Sure. In prison, Mickey is diagnosed as chronically depressed. I mean, okay. When released early for good behavior, he is still dependent on antidepressants. He becomes withdrawn and turns away from Linda. Linda, unable to get Mickey off the antidepressants, contacts Eddie, who is now a counselor, and he gets them their own house and Mickey a job. I believe counselor here, a lawyer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Yeah. yeah, okay. Got it. Uh, and they sing a song called Light Romance. Linda worries about Mickey and meets up with Eddie. Mrs. Lyons sees them together and tells Mickey about it, implying that the two are having an affair. (gasps) Mickey, also, man, Mrs. Lyons, you bitch. kind of awful. Yeah, Uh, you do not like her. You are terrible. Mickey, distraught over Eddie and Linda's quote-unquote affair, grabs the gun that Sammy hid before he got arrested and then storms down to the council offices to confront him. Eddie. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sure. I um, don't like it. This is going. Well, just in a way where, I mean, it is a musical, so, so things are escalating very quickly, but like. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, just go talk to your lady. Right? That's like, like there's so many. I mean, this is a very romantic comedy kind it of is. trope, too, where it's like, man, everything could be solved if you just communicate. Correct. Fine. Uh, there, Eddie is giving a speech when Mickey storms in with the gun. Oh. Mickey asks why Eddie would take away the one good thing Mickey had. Linda. Oh. Eddie denies the intention, and the police enter, demanding that Mickey put the gun down. Mrs. Johnston runs in, and in an attempt to stop Mickey from shooting Eddie, Uh tells the two brothers the truth. Oh, no! That's not what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to kill it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I really thought Um, she was going to die. I was like, no! Um, Okay, okay, so they know the truth now. Yep. Okay, not how I thought they would find out, but all right. Uh, Mickey despairs that he was not the one given away, because then he could have had the life given to Eddie. Mm -hmm. Mickey, distraught, uh, gestures carelessly with the gun towards Eddie. Oh, my God, he kills him. The gun goes off, killing (gasps) Eddie. With the police then shooting and killing Mickey. Oh, my God. Mrs. Lyon's superstitious prediction has come true. Oh, she's like a seer. Sure. And the narrator questions whether class was more to blame than superstition. And they close oh, with there's a narrator. <laughs> now, in another version, oh, an alternate ending. There's, there's multiple endings? No, no, no. Just an alternate ending. Oh. Just one. Okay. In another version, Mickey has a fake gun. And when Mrs. Johnson rushes in to stop him and reveals the truth... It provokes Miss Lyons to attempt to shoot Mickey in order to keep her own child. Whew. Eddie jumps in and takes the bullet, and Miss Lyons shoots Mickey in a rage. And then the version ends with the narrator's monologue. So, did you ever hear the tale of the Johnston twins as like each other two new pins? How one was kept, one was one given away. They were born and they died on the self same day. Oh, sure. Oof. Which is creepy and weird that is creepy um, and weird i got like chills like listening to it, sure like, oh, don't um, like it. so whew, that is that's dark blood brothers and i was wrong about everything well <laughs> you uh here's the thing you were it's it's one of those things though what i think is interesting about the show and uh potentially not a thing uh like 
the U.S. I think tends to have more shows that ask questions about race conflict. Yeah. So you look at shows like West Side Story, Hairspray, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Ragtime, Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah. You you have more thoughts and feelings about sort of the race relations as opposed to class. Yes. Even though we have a huge class disparity in this country too, yes. but. What I find is a lot of English shows tend to, maybe because they're not as diverse, I don't know, or they don't have racism. Just kidding, they do. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>, they do. <laughs> a lot of their shows tend to be more based on the class class, class wars. Yeah. So what's interesting is, and like the questions that this show brings up a lot, is sort of that idea of class. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it, right in that fun little monologue, it talked about it. But the other thing is the idea of sort of socioeconomic and then nature versus nurture. Yeah. Because they are twins, so in theory, same all the stuff. And, you know, did one being brought up in an affluent society and environment make his fate different than the one that was had poverty and, yeah. and, and, and like crime and things family. like that. Yeah. So what does that look like? Yeah. That's really interesting to like examine. Sure. Um what a wow. this no this show's batshit because yeah. it's one of those things where not only are you examining that but it has the classic in love with the same girl kind of trope sure. brothers in love with the same girl which um is a very strong teen show true <laughs> like yeah. like thing that happens um well listen when you were like hey we got Linda we got Mickey we got Eddie yep. this is going to set up and you like left the door open for me and I was going to be like uh Harry Potter friendship I don't know no, <laughs> you know what no. I mean like the like, magic Harry, rule of 3 no, no, I have no, no. idea not the <laughs> and Harry you were Potter like love triangle I'm like that makes a little bit more sense sure. than what I was going to say it did it's um, fine <laughs> So I thought they were going to go on adventures together. That wasn't correct at nope, all. No, nope, no adventures for them other no. than just people dying. Um, <laughs> My predictions today are bad. Sure, you guys. not not bad. your best, <laughs> not your best. So uh, it's interesting. This show has a narrator, okay, um, who breaks the fourth wall and pretty much helps it and kind of acts as the moral compass. And then throughout plays like various randos, like the milkman, the policeman, judge, finance man, etc. Um, interesting. Yep. And then it's funny because there's, like, all these other children, like, are kind of around and whatever. But, like, it's it's just one of those things where it's a pretty small cast in a weird kind of way. Yeah. Um, and, like I said, the music is, if you ever have a chance to listen to it, there's, uh, they did the cast recording from, I think, the 93, the 93 Broadway. Okay. Um, it is very 90s very 80s inspired 90s like synth pop kind of like that kind of weird feel um so it's not terrible it's not one of my favorite soundtracks but it is good and it's like very you know like all the things um it won best new musical and best actress in a musical in 1983 for uh, the olivier award and then the revival won best actor in a musical for con o'neill uh, Olivier, and then um, was nominated for Best Actress uh, two different people, and then again in 2010. Interesting. Um, Broadway, it won Outstanding Featured Actor for Mark Michael Hutchinson, Drama Desk, and then was nominated for a bunch of stuff, including Best Musical, Best Book, Performance in a Leading Actor, Performance in a Leading Actress, Featured, and Direction. Hmm. But no wins. But just oh. all uh, nominations. So, uh, I like this one. It's kind of funny. Uh, Carrie Butler told a story once of um, the British cast. So, when it transplanted to Broadway, 
they transplanted almost all the British people, like, leads over. Hmm. So they all came over, and a lot of them made their Broadway debuts within the show. Yeah. And she said that maybe a little different than American cast, at least on Broadway, a lot of the Broadway people, and maybe because they had been doing it forever in London, were, like, very practical jokers. <laughs> and, like, just very loved to prank and loved, Great. like, hilarious things happening. And so she said during one of the shows, there's a scene where they, like, come out and have to do, like, a, pretend to be, like, a roller. Like, they're on a roller coaster. And so the blocking is, like, you know, they do the arms up. Yeah. And then it's, like, whoa, moving forward. Like, going to the left, going That's to the right. Cute. And it's, like, a whole train of people that are, like, supposed to be on this roller coaster car. And so one night, they when they went to do it, um, they the British people, the British cast were, like, let's not just let those first two go. And they were like, and then we don't go. And so the first two people like went out and were like, whoa, and then looked and there was no one behind them. Oh. And so then uh, she tells the story very funny, I think on a Seth Rudesky, but uh, very funny where she's like, can you imagine being those people and being like, do we first where is everybody where, where we go yeah and although i'm assuming you look into the wings and you see people like waving at you and you're just like god damn it you sons of bitches you, right, where you're just like oh but then once you're out there what do you do do you just keep going yeah do you i guess just, so right because also in a way where you have a whole line of people it becomes very obvious like oh they're really because you have two, two people you look like you're dummies. On the you just look like idiots yep. who are like we i'm having this is fun here we go so it's like one of those things where, like I said, just a real dummy kind of thing and like what in the world. Okay. So That's cute. Um, the other interesting thing is this show is going back on tour oh. in the UK, I believe. Fine. So uh, just a 2021 tour That's as of nice. August. So it's it's definitely, like I said, it's it's an interesting show in that it is, I think there's like comedic beats, but surely like a drama yeah um and it has been a vehicle like i said for a lot of really well-known london and sort of broadway people to be in it i love the idea that carol king was in this yeah that's really cool um that's like honestly like a little bananas to me but yep. fine okay. um and like i said it's uh it's kind of an interesting thing so uh willie um willie russell based this whole thing on a one-act play he read as a kid about two babies switched at birth. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, you know, like I said, it's like a tragedy where obviously yeah. dead bodies everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I just think, like I said, it's just one of those really interesting things of, like, uh, people people being in it. Barbara Dickinson uh, won that first year. Um, she's pretty well-known. Hmm. Um, Con O'Neill, another well-known guy. Um trying to think here why is it your deep dives always have like a body count sure what's up with that <laughs> um sure oh my last couple ones have that's yeah. what well, it's all carrie butler shows so carrie. far so it's carrie i don't fault. know she listen we'll do she's got some shows coming up that are pretty well known uh that have less of a body count or, and, but uh, some that we'll have more it. of a body count little shop sure sure we'll talk that's got a bigger body that, count than this. that was coming up um but yeah, no, I just think, like I said, it's an interesting thing to know. Like, Adrian Zamed was in this at one point. Um, the Cassidy, Sean and, uh, you know, the Sean and David Cassidy being cast is always an interesting one to me. Mm -hmm. um, Helen Reddy, Natasha Hamilton, uh, like I said, Carol King is always the one that stands out to me. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Um, cool. So just a really interesting show. 
if you hadn't heard of it before, I, I encourage you to listen, give the soundtrack a listen. Uh, it's definitely kind of interesting, but like is a basic show too. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, if, uh, in the, in the rating system, if I had to give it, uh, drops of blood, uh, zero drops of blood being we're just acquaintances and I don't know you and eight drops of blood being we are full fledged blood brothers. Uh, I would give the show like a five. Okay. Like a five or six. It's a little, here's what I will say. I get why it ran so long in London. Okay. I think the music is like a little teensy tiny bit dated, just in that like feel. In the same way though that like Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff from that era is like iconic and very well recognized, but it's like a little dated. Mm -hmm. And you start seeing stuff of his revivals. They're starting to modernize it a little. Like Evita got revived, I think in 2012-ish or 14 around there. And like they redid some of that score a little bit. And you know, so those types of things. But I would give it a solid five drops of blood. We're, we're like, less more than acquaintances, but less than, like, full-fledged blood brothers. Yeah, I'd say, like, four or five in my head also. Like, uh, you know, uh, the plot for me, uh, it feels very British. Like, the, very there's British. a lot of things yes. that, like, sometimes translate really well to yep. U.S. audiences and sometimes don't. And this falls probably in the middle. Yep. Um, and I, you were talking about how it ran so long in London, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. Because it, well, and it, yeah. 10,000 performances, plus it's still touring, which yeah. is kind of amazing. And it did have a decent run in the States, too. Two years and 840 performances is nothing to be sad about. No. Uh, and any more, that's a pretty good run. No, for sure. So, uh, you know, a great show that, like I said, I would encourage people to go, uh, if you don't know it, I think there's a DVD of like a pro shot that you can look uh, that you can look into. So uh, go check it out. All right. Okay. So I guess we're gonna say uh, exit stage left, pursued by a pregnant lady. Mm-hmm.